Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast, hosted by Shalinda Kirby, a cervical cancer survivor, and Natalie Supes, a Crohn's warrior since 2007. Our goal is to give you proof that it's not only possible to be sick and successful, but it's possible for you. Dream big and tune in. You can also follow us on Instagram at sickandsuccessful underscore. Today's guest is Miranda O. Oh. She is one sick and successful boss babe. She is a three-time author of her book series called Chin Up, Tits Out. Among her friends and family, Miranda O. Oh is known to be the storyteller of the group, always recapping crazy life stories and situations. Her personal experiences, emotions, and fantasies are the inspiration for most of her books, so there's a little bit of her in every story. With an endometriosis and adenomyosis diagnosis, her life was flipped upside down and sideways. Although in true Miranda style, she carries her chin up, tits out attitude with all the wild curveballs life is going to throw at her. Here are your hosts. So we're gonna start with a speed round, which we do for every guest, and Natalie's gonna get things going. Yeah, so let us know where you're from. Okay, I am from Winnipeg, Manitoba, so smack dab in the middle of Canada. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Have you lived anywhere else? Uh, I lived in and out of South Africa for a few years, but primarily little old Winnipeg. Okay. And um, what is your sickness? I know it sounds a little weird, but we just want to jump right into it. That's, what, that's my favorite question people ask me. <laughs> so what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, get your pen and papers out here. <laughs> Crazy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I have endometriosis and adenomyosis. Yes, I was recently diagnosed about three and a half months ago. Wow, so pretty recently. Pretty recently, yeah. I mean, I've been fighting with it for a couple of years, but uh, got a diagnosis quite quickly. So um, I guess that's a silver lining and something for some reason to celebrate. Yeah, that's something I totally want to circle back to because a lot of people that are sick have been sick for a really long time, like me for 12 years or whatever it is. And it's interesting to see a perspective of someone who just got that you know, that diagnosis, that, yeah, wow. it's, I mean, when you're, when you're sick or you go through something for so long, it's, it's so hard to differentiate in what is sick and what is healthy. Um, and I've seen it, I've experienced it, not myself. And then when this happened, it was like, da, 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 da. and then all of a sudden I hit a roadblock and my life stopped, not even a roadblock, sorry, let's say a brick wall, the large, like China, like the wall of China, the great wall of China. A large wall. A large wall. Like I hit that running face first two years, like two and a half years ago. And so, uh, yeah, we, I guess we can circle back yeah, to that. Yeah, let's do that. That's and what I have. Of course. Last question before we get into all the nitty gritty is what do you do something every day that makes you successful? My morning routine. <laughs> um, and it's super simple. I wake up, I crawl to get a cup of coffee, and then I crawl back to bed, and I open my blinds so I can see the sun not come up in the wintertime, but in the summer, obviously. And I sip and have a cup of coffee for 40 minutes every morning before wow. I start my day. Um, and that's my little dedication to myself. And if I do that, then no matter how crappy the day is, at least I started it off right. I love that. So during those you said 40 minutes are you reading a book a podcast or are you just sitting there I think it depends on how I don't really have a set anything um I've meditated I've read I've 
caught up on social media. I convinced myself that I need to actually get up and do life for 40 <laughs> minutes. You can do this. No, you can't. You can do this. No, you can't. So yeah, it's uh, it really is all dependent on the day, but that time is my own. Um, and I get to look outside, which if you're from Winnipeg or from Canada or somewhere cold, you can understand that just enjoying it from the warmth is good, good peace of mind. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, something that I really want to jump into is explain to us a little bit about how your um, chronic illness has affected your life on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, for sure. Um, before symptoms actually started to get really bothersome, um, just to kind of give you a rundown of what my life was like prior to all of this, uh, I work a full-time job, I am a fiction author, I'm an Airbnb host, and I sit on a board, a, con uh, like a board of directors, that's the word, um, <laughs> as my hands go flying around trying to figure it out. <laughs> I would work out one to two times a day, five times a week, I was running marathons, I was playing beach volleyball, um, doing yoga, like anything you challenged me to do, I would do. And then the pelvic pain started, and then the unexplainable bloating started, and then the daily nausea turned into daily vomiting, and then the exhaustion came, and then it was just pain all the time. And I was like, oh, what's going on? Because there was nothing that you could see. It was all internal. So um, that is kind of, the, that was really how it started. And it stopped me from working out. It stopped me from writing my book I was unable to go to my my job job my career um, every week like there was out of five working days I'd probably make it to the office three to four days and I'd work from my home in bed or on the couch or in the bathroom or on the floor for the other two days uh, just because I didn't have the capacity to leave my house those couple of days and that was like that for about over a year um, about a year and a half before I was able to get surgery and, and get some assistance and now I sometimes go to work four <laughs> days a week um, and sometimes I go to work five days a week and so it's improving but it's definitely hindered the pace of my life so hence the 40 minutes in the morning sometimes it just takes me that long to get up um, or sometimes I'm like, yo, let's go running for a marathon. And sometimes I do. <laughs> um, that marathon's like five kilometers, but whatever. Nobody's judging me. <laughs> so uh, do you mind explaining what you do for your career? Yeah, for sure. I can get a little into it. So I work for an insurance company, and I'm a trainer. So I go Canada-wide. I train on different mediums, different platforms. I train uh, sometimes end-users. I train sometimes managers or trainers. So it's a huge spectrum of what I do. Um, and then I do speak with my books as well. Um, and then obviously with my books is a lot more of a solitary confinement situation where I just sit and write and cackle at myself because yeah. it's so funny. I, <laughs> I think a funny story would be get it to get into how you and I met. Do you want to? <gasps> oh, I would love to hear that. Yeah. Like the original, original story. So um, we can start off with that story is the night that I fell down a flight of stairs. Oh my gosh. I didn't even know that. <laughs> and I fell up two flights of stairs the same day. That was before I was sick. 
and was drinking unresponsibly. I wasn't even drinking unresponsibly. I just kept missing the stairs. <laughs> oh so that was a party. <laughs> Oof, that was a party. Those were like the teenage years that you're happy to leave behind. Exactly. <laughs> and we didn't even realize that that had that we'd met the first time like that when we actually met now as adults. Mm-hmm. It would have been about ten or so years down the line at the gym. One of those at double double gym session days yeah. of mine. I remember seeing you actually this kind of plays in well but like she was in every single morning and if if I went there early she was there and then if I came at lunch or like later in the day whenever I went because I work different times so I'm all over the place I would only go once a day but whenever that once a day was Miranda was there changing or like rushing in and out from work she was there all the time wow yeah but yeah I well I mean training like this is, how I, this is how I always justified it is my job requires me to be on. I don't want to say turned on, but apparently my vocals is gutter. So, like, you have to be on and ready and expressive and you have to get people's attention and keep people's attention. That's what trainers, entertainers, speakers do, right? And... Um, so working out was a chance for me to hit the reset button to release all of that either pent-up energy or just regain my energy, whatever it was. So sweating it out was a benefit for me. But yeah, it was it was so funny to actually find you in the sauna steam room. Yeah, sauna. sauna. Oof, that's my favorite part. <laughs> Not too. many people can say they've met somebody and had a conversation in the sauna right steam room I, I feel like that's have... a place that's kind of awkward to uh approach someone in I conversation. still have Miranda I have you in my phone as Miranda sauna quote like with the brackets around because I always put how I know someone so like yeah it's so funny I have you as Natalie brackets Jim <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing right? that's so funny yeah that's... I love that with Dee and you're like Josh Bumble <laughs> I have Dave so Tinder. many Tinder last names in my phone. Dave's, Josh's, and Dave's. I don't I know. know. Well, that's a good example, though. <laughs> the type of people that are on those apps. So, no offense if that's your name, by the way. But no, yeah. I'm sure you're fantastically unique. Yeah. Yeah, so we had we sparked up a deep conversation, actually. I feel like I got to know your life story in that sauna, and that doesn't happen with strangers. And then you told me about your book, and I downloaded and then read it like four months later, and was so captivated and mad at myself for not reading it earlier. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, those books indirectly deal with chronic illness, with cancer, mental illness, addiction, um, and it wasn't from my point of view. It was from a caregiver's point of view um, and a real point of view. <laughs> like again, let's go back to twisted humor and finding it in dark places. You're gonna go through all this dark stuff there. You, you're either going to get sunk and sucked in by it, or you have the chance to throw your head back, cackle like an eagle witch, and enjoy it. So what I want to know as someone who reads your books, and obviously everyone can find them, they'll be linked in the show notes, but um, first time being someone reading a book, knowing the author, I wanted to ask you a lot of questions, but beside that is, how do you not get into a deep, dark spiral when going so deep into like a hard time in your life? How do you write about something that is, or could have been so traumatizing. Support. The support of your people. Mm-hmm. I mean, people think that if we're we're stronger by ourselves, 
I think the exact opposite. There's a saying that it takes a village to raise a child. Let's just remove the child from, let's never remove children, but like, like, let's remove the child from the saying. It says it it will take a village to live a good, happy, fulfilled life. Um, You know, choose your people carefully, surround yourself around people who love you and want what's best for you. And, And when you surround yourself with love, then it's really difficult to stay in a a negative situation um i mean like don't get me wrong there's self-guilt and self-doubt and um self-hate when you get diagnosed with something and that's really hard to open up to people especially the ones that you love the most because you don't want to put them through anything you don't want to look weak but um reaching out to the ones that you love is probably the strongest thing that you can do and the most courageous thing you can do um and I think being around people is really what helps us become successful through illness. Yeah. So you use the same thing what you use to write your book, even when you weren't sick, to then deal with your illness yeah. going forward? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, um, my life prior to my illness, I immigrated a man from South Africa, and then he was diagnosed with cancer, and then... Just like that, he vanished. Um, you can read the books and figure out what that means. Yeah, like, literally, um, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, with some addiction so, in there as well. Right, with some addiction and mental illness. I mean, like, how can somebody vanish? How can your loved one vanish and there not be mental mental illness that comes from that? So, yeah, I was dealing with PTSD um, well before the symptoms of endometriosis and adenomyosis came to play. Um, and then when that came, it kind of, like, spiked those symptoms again. But... Um, constantly reaching out to people um, and sharing my story, even if it was hard. Um, every single time I share my story, there's some sort of empowerment that comes back, whether it's me feeling a little bit lifted or the person that I'm sharing the story with resonates with me or there's there's always a positive that comes back for every single time I reach out and do something for myself by reaching out to somebody or doing something that's you know good for me. So let's talk about your diagnosis and how you found out. Because I, I would love to know, as somebody who has heard a lot about endometriosis um, and, and, and misdiagnosis a lot of the time with that specifically, how you came to know that, like how you started listening to your body and then obviously seeking medical help and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we can for sure talk about that. So um, I have been on, the birth, uh, on birth control since I was 14, so I've always had problems with my reproductive system so it wasn't uncommon for me to have um you know something in my life that was constantly kind of keeping me on schedule and putting my uterus to sleep every 21 days um but then when the pain started to get a little bit wonky and out of whack it was one of those things where I was like oh man like a bladder infection like you don't just have pain that comes out of nowhere right so when it started to come out of nowhere I reached out to my doctor and my doctor's like you're fine but I'm not fine and, and so I kind of laid off and, and didn't do much for a few months but then the pain started to become more and more and like I was walking down the aisle at the grocery store and I like flew into the aisle and like knocked a bunch of stuff off the shelves. I'm like, girl, 
what the heck? Like, walk, walk, walk. And then all of a sudden, this pain just jolted me. Like, I flew. There was no control over my yeah, body. And and then you get up, and people are looking at you. And I was like, can you breathe? Can you breathe? Yes, you can breathe. Okay. And you're like, just put the put the thing down. What are those baskets? I put the basket down, and I walked out. I'm like, Bye. I, I, I don't know what to do. So many times I've abandoned car and get the yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you're like, oh my god. And when that happened, I remember telling my mom, and my mom was like, you're going to my doctor. I'm like, no, my doctor said it was fine, and it's normal for you know, like an almost thirty something year old to have like pelvic pain every now and then. Like, girls always complain that their periods are bad. Like, I haven't. It hasn't been bad for me. Like, I pop a pill and it's fine. You know, like no big deal. It's just normal. Um. And then when I went to, so again, it happens again. And my mom directed me to her GP and her GP's like, okay, well, we'll get you, um, uh, an appointment with a specialist. And I was like, okay, cool. Like then if it is my reproductive system, then I'll have an educated decision and you know, it is what it is. Okay. Perfect. So at that point, by the time that appointment came to be, the pain had knocked me across aisles more often than not um and like nausea would happen like I would get an itch in my throat like you know it's a regular cough like an allergy cough Mm -hmm. and then you cough 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 and then you're gagging and then you're gagging and then you're like oh my goodness I'm gonna throw up like what the heck and it was like that all the time and you're like this is so weird and so uh two of my good friends one of my best friends around my age and one of my family friends around my mom's age both endometriosis survivors, warriors, whatever you want to call them, um, they were like, oh, that sounds like it, but it's really fast and onset. Like, that's not normal. Like, this usually takes years to progress. I'm like, no, 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 something's wrong. And and um, so I went back to my doctor, and we did a bunch of ultrasounds, and over the time, so, you know, I'd go to the hospital if it would hurt. Ultrasound is fine. Endometriosis, adenomyosis does not show up on ultrasounds. It doesn't even show up on MRIs unless it's like really, really, really late stages of it. The only way to diagnose this is to get a surgery through a laparoscopy. So they cut you open in three little places, four little places in your belly, and then poke and prod your reproductive system and check it out. And they're like, oh, you either got it or you don't, or here's what we see. So laparoscopy is also like a scope, like they take pictures of your insides. So as soon as my friends were like, well, it sounds like it, but it's too fast progression. I'm like, my, my life is fast paced. So if this is endometriosis, endometriosis is going to keep that pace. It's fast paced endometriosis. And they're like, sure, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 I know. So I went to my doctor. I'm like, I have endometriosis. I have, I, and this, we need a surgery. Well, you know, we need to get you to get a scope up and down and make sure it's not your intestines or your GI. I'm like, my BMs <laughs> are a very happy time in my day because I spend 40 minutes in the morning with my coffee. It's like clockwork. It's so happy. You it's like sheltered oh from the Big Bang Theory. Right? It's so amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, I can 150% put all of my energy and all of the dollars that I make for the rest of my life to tell you that my GI tract is 100%. I said, it may not be because of all the medication you're trying to give me, but 
it's not, that's not what's wrong with me. So then they try to put me on antidepressants because maybe it's, it's pain from depression or pain from anxiety. Oh, okay. So no, that causes a whole bunch of other stuff and symptoms. And I'm like, this, this is not okay. So we stopped. So you tried it. that, yeah? Yeah, we tried the antidepressants. And I can imagine just like the, the ruling out of things. Like oh, yeah. what that's like for someone. You must felt like a ping pong ball, basically. I felt like um, they were playing a game, like pin the tail on the donkey. Mm-hmm. Like, here, let's just take a shot in the dark and see if this works. So they had me on daily antidepressants um, to help with the chronic daily pain, which just made my arms and hands t- tingly and sweaty. I was losing hair, um, like joint pain. Then um, they tried to give me pain medication. So you know, I'm like, all right. Like, something I think that's really important to stop you is that you weren't okay with those symptoms. No. Because a lot of the time when we're sick, and this is something I went through, your doctor says, try this. So you try this, and you're getting symptoms, but you know that's a symptom, so I guess this is my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a doctor once try to put me on Prozac. Like, I was like, isn't that from that song, like, in the 90s? <laughs> Sucks to be you. Yeah. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> yes. I've got a strange disease. <laughs> but actually, right? Like, don't, and, and you just keep trying. But a lot of people were like, oh, well, I guess my hair falling out, gaining 60 pounds in three months, tingly hands, blah, 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 is just what I need to deal mm-hmm. with to not be sick. But, mm. So here's how I combated that. I am a type A personality and my mother is type A on steroids. Um, Plus I'm her daughter. So she was like Nazi on me. It was like, this is what you're doing and this is how you're going to do it. And then I took it one step further. So she sent me an Excel document with like six columns. (laughs) I was sorry. You just said Excel document that your mom sent you. Oh yeah. You're not lying when she, when you say that she is type A to a, Oh no, just just wait. (laughs) Just wait. So, um, over the period of six months, that Excel document went from A all the way to like DZ4 or something like that. There was like 30 columns of symptoms and side effects that I tracked on a daily basis from bleeding to pain levels, to pain during intercourse, to insomnia, to working from home, like everything that I experienced, bam, created a new column. Then I created worksheets on the bottom of that Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> oh my God, if you're an Excel nerd, you're just I am, loving I am, this right I'm now. loving it. Okay. Oh my God. So I took every symptom and combined them to like themes or like similarities. And then I took that to each and every one of my doctor's appointments. I made graphs with median average lines and summarize them all. There was nine graphs. And then I would like, he would get a copy. I'd get a copy. My mother would get a copy and the cell phone would go on recording. And that would be my, Oh, and they also got an appointment journal. So questions that I had medications that I was on. And then I directed that doctor's appointment. Yeah. That sounds like, yeah. yeah, you 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 get it. I'm like my my ex husband was a cancer patient. I had to do that. It wasn't that organized, but I was early twenties, not thirty. I was so young too, so I didn't have the Excel documents. But now I come into a doctor's appointment with 
everything you said, right? Mm-hmm. Journal questions. Um, that's a big tip for people. It's a huge, yeah. huge tip. And through the community, um, I mean, back to my journey, I started to reach out and connect with other women in the endometriosis and adenomyosis world because when you go to the doctor, they tell you, oh, it's, you know, we're just going to put your uterus to sleep or we'll get a hysterectomy, but you're young and so you maybe want to consider children. Okay, cool. I'll tell my hypothetical invisible partner <laughs> that we're going to get on to baby making now and I'm going to have the next, you know, baby Jesus. I'm going to be the next Mary. <laughs> like, bam, I need a baby. So let's just put one in me so my uterus can stop hurting me. Um, but reaching out to other women you know, you learn about, oh, this symptom is, this is what you experience. Oh, okay. So that makes me feel a little less crazy or a little less like I'm off my rocker. But it also allowed me to refine my Excel documents um, and then share it because sharing is caring. Um, and anytime, like the, the average diagnosis for this endo and adeno is like seven years and a lot of misdiagnosis along the way. And I do believe that my psychotically anal tendencies were a huge contributor of why I was in surgery three months ago after it being two years of fighting for it versus seven years is because I tracked every symptom and side effect that came. So the hand numbing, it increased. I got an IUD put in December, Christmas Eve last year. And between Christmas Eve last year and April 1st, I was in the hospital 13 times. I was turned away by an ER doctor telling me that I was a waste of their time and their energy and resources. Um, And I was losing hair. And the last time I walked into the hospital, I said, I don't want to live anymore. I don't. So you need to figure this out. I don't know what this is. I don't want to live anymore. And it was because of everything that I had tracked and put down and recorded and made sure that all the doctors that I were dealing with communicated to one another that was like a full-time job, mm-hmm. but it was what got me my diagnosis. It was what got me into that surgery room. That sounds exhausting. It like sound it sounds, it's sad that we live in that kind of world where, you know, we trust these medical professionals to help us and, you know, to find, and I get it, you know, it, it is a process of elimination, but gosh, I can only imagine what it's like to, to advocate for your own health. So tell me this, how did you stay working a full-time job and were you writing during those two years? Um, well, a lot of awkward conversations with male bosses. Um, but with that said, my employer, the entire organization has been absolutely fantastic and 100% supportive. Uh, Luckily, I'm able to work from an airport, from my couch or from my office or from a classroom setting. I can work basically anywhere to get my job done. Um, so I'm very, very, very lucky in that sense because if I wasn't in the position that I am in today, I prob- I wouldn't have been so blessed to continue my career in building that through this time. Um, writing book three out of the series um, oh, took me two years. So just to kind of give you a little like background, book one took me four weeks. Hmm. Book two took me five months, six months, and book three took me two, almost three years. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, you add illness, and then you also add time of life. Like, when I started writing book one and two, I was writing about my life, yes, but it was about five to seven years prior. 
So I had that five to seven years of healing time, processing time. And then the last two, three years, I was writing about those last two, three years. So I almost had to go through and live my life in order to figure out how to write book three. Um, sounds so weird. But when, once it was done, I was like, ooh, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really exciting. So um, everything happens for a reason. And when we want something and it doesn't happen in the time that we want, it just means that we're not ready for it. Um, for instance, if I did finish my book six months ago, a year ago, I wouldn't be mentally or physically capable to do the launch activities properly. So if I don't launch my book properly, then I'm not getting it off on the right foot that it deserves. So as much as I maybe wanted to get it done earlier, it wouldn't have been right. That literally makes me want to jump up and down and scream that off a mountaintop. Because mm -hmm. when you said four weeks, five months, and then two years, that's literal proof of what this podcast is. Yes, you were sick. Yes, it took you two years versus five weeks. But girl, you got it done. <laughs> and we're going to get to all read it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's a wild ride because like the, the first two books really encompass a love story and like let's be honest love is a beautiful thing when it happens between two people but um today's day and age it doesn't always last and it isn't always rainbows and sunshines and butterflies um but self-love is always rainbows mm -hmm. and butterflies and sunshine and um that was really what book three was all about is how do you literally go from rock bottom whatever that is you know losing a love becoming ill or being ill, whatever, however it is, if you hit rock bottom, you just kind of have that chin up, tits out, mental attitude, you'll get through it. I love that. Being that uh, this podcast is obviously about uh, being sick and successful, and clearly you are both of those things, um, what is it like living with something that is ultimately kind of invisible. I mean, it's not its not an illness, it's not a sickness or a diagnosis that others can see unless you, you know, verbally bring it up, right? Unless you're crashing into, you know, <laughs> the aisles, yeah, in the grocery store due to your pain, right? Like, what is that like dealing with pain and then living a successful life? Um, entertaining AF. And that's all I can say, you know, and I, th I just, uh, I don't know if it's because it's my mentality as things. Like, I always think that I'm, ha you're, you're handed things that you can handle. You're only handed things that you can handle. So, you know, if I get handled, if I get handed this endometriosis and adenomyosis diagnosis and nobody can see it, then it's m my job to make the most of it. Um, and it is an invisible illness and one in 10 women suffer with it. So my, my goal is to not make it so invisible. And I talk, so I talk about it all the time. Um, if I'm in an airplane, I'm like, yo, you've got a hot pack because like my uterus is doing backflips and like you throw out the U word. Ooh, it makes people feel so uncomfortable. I think that's my biggest thing is because it's a, like, and because I had cervical cancer, yeah. like I know what it's like to have a reproductive issue and it'd be uncomfortable to most people, but to you, it's like not because that's what you're dealing with. You know, yeah. I had some lady go, it was really inappropriate for you to talk about what you were talking. She was sitting behind me at a restaurant and I was like, I'm sorry. Talking about my uterus makes you feel uncomfortable. 
<laughs> I was like, you have a nice night. Don't let the rain make you wet on the way home. <laughs> also, don't let the door hit you or the good Lord split you. <laughs> I love that. It's true, though, because, like, you know, I would I would make jokes similar to, like, we talked about at the beginning of the podcast is that dealing with humor, right? Yeah. But I was dealing with mad cramps, you know? I'd be like, oh, my gosh, my cervix, you know? Yeah. Like, and it's just, like, that words like that, cervix, uterus, endometriosis, vagina, like, things like that make people <sighs> feel uncomfortable. Like, but it's it like, shouldn't. Exactly. And so the more time... The more, t- the more we talk about it, the less awkward it, it is going to be. So yeah, I guess to turn it from a person who's invisibly ill, um, the hardest thing I have to deal with is the people that are closest to me but don't know how to deal with it. It's like, how are you feeling? How are you feel? Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, just sit there. Just, just relax. I am a grown woman. And I have made it this far. And I know you are, are just doing this because you care for me. But I just want you to treat me normally. That's that's the one thing that I think if anybody is chronically ill, they just want to feel normal. Because everything inside of them feels abnormal. And, you know, feeling normal and just being treated like you're everybody else is is what I crave the most. I hate being asked, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling like a bunch of knives are like going up and cutting all of the orifices between my legs. Um, but hey, I'm alive. I'm not vomiting and I don't look six months pregnant today. So like I'm winning, but I don't feel like explaining that to somebody every day. You know, um, if I feel crappy, I will tell you, I will tell you, I don't feel good today. So what would you want someone to say? uh, So what would you want someone to say? Cause I went through the exact same thing. I hated when people were like, how are you? I'm shitty, always. So, mm-hmm. like, not good. But I asked you that coming in today was, how are you feeling? Because, like, that's out of a place of, like, hey, like, I know you're not doing well. How's today? Oh, yes. But so, like, what is a good question that someone can ask? Not a good question, but you know what I mean. Like, what's a – what would make you feel less annoyed? <laughs> oh, just how was your day today? Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it, I think yeah. it's – it's a uh... – I want you to genuinely care how I'm doing, obviously, right? Um, but when it's directed and it's a constant mm-hmm. thing, um, and it's and it's always the people that care for you the most, and it's always the people that you care for the most yeah. that you want to actually slap the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> You're like a stranger asks me how I'm feeling, and I'm like, oh, but like my mom asks me how I feel, I'm like. Aah. <laughs> totally right Absolutely, yeah. my mom's like oh, I'm, so, I'm like can you not like can you not like I want to yeah. like love you I want to squeeze you till your eyeballs pop out. I used to respond with bad and then be silent because <laughs> it would make them feel so awkward <laughs> well that's the thing right it's like when you, you become when you are sick you become just like a target of that question right and it's always directed towards your sickness mm-hmm. and your, your or your illness right mm-hmm. It's not about, are you as a person, okay, are you having a great day? You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be necessarily about your sickness. But when it is, it's exhausting Mm -hmm. because you're trying to live your best life despite the fact that, you know, you're dealing with this, Mm -hmm. but you're not wanting it to become who you are. Exactly. It isn't. It's just a piece of me, right? And and it, it, it really comes down to when you're communicating with somebody, like, if I wasn't sick, what would you ask me? 
what would be the first question that you ask me? It's a very big yeah, question. Yeah, I like that. Right? Um, because that's, that's how I want you to treat me. It's just because I am sick and I have a bag full of medicine or this weird, weird little routines that I do if the nausea comes on or something like that. Like, that happens in the privacy of my own home or a bathroom or my car where nobody needs to be part of that. And if you are part of that, then you have every right to ask me how I'm feeling, right? Um, but if I wasn't sick, how would you talk to me? And that's exactly how I would want people to just treat me. I think that's so important. Um, So we have one question that we end off the podcast with. So let us know, what does success mean to you? Success means to me spreading as much love and positivity as I can to as many people as I can. That answer has changed and evolved (laughs) so much over my 20s. Um, But through through the last little while it's that's all it comes down to like you think your illness had something to do with the way your answer is oh yeah but my illness the past with the cancer and the marriage the long distance like everything um it comes down to love and I really think that loving and sharing love and spreading love in all capacities, whether it's in this kind of way where us three just really share positive things, um, or if it's love between my family and I trying to figure out how to deal with this as a unit, or if it's love between a partner and I and how we grow through it. Um, it's definitely a huge thing. So I just want to share as much love as I can. And you mentioned earlier, self-love is very important. Oh man, it starts with looking in the every morning you can't love anything if you don't love yourself it's so cliche but it's so true oh it is and when you find that self-love man you shout it from the rooftop like i told you it's always rainbows and sunshine (laughs) and like happy wind self-love like there's nothing that can get you down it's like you know you ask somebody on a date and they're like no and i'm like Sucks to be you. Miss it out. Yes. Next one. <laughs> That's so true. You know, like it's it's okay. You know, it's it's okay rejection, but still reje- out of rejection. If you have self love, it's not even rejection. It's just not right. Yeah. It's just not the connection. So you move on to the next wavelength. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. So what? I uh, would love to open up the mic for you to say whatever you want to our listeners. Let them know what you're up to. Let them know when the book can come out. Or they can find you, and we'll link all of it down below. Wonderful. So my little mantra in life is to chin up and tits out. Always chin up and tits out. Because, like, let's think about it. If you put your chin up, you hold your held held high, and you put your shoulders back, so you throw your tits out, you feel like you're standing up more straight. It's a power pose. So this scientifically throws chemicals in your brain that make you happy. Two, you'll look more confident. Three, you fake that until you make it. So that's the life lesson my mother taught me, which turned out into chin up to sex. So that is my my motto to you is carry that with you. Look at yourself in the mirror. Love who you see and what you see because you are absolutely perfect and you are loved and you have everything that you need to get through in life in between your ears. This head, this heart, this spirit, all of it for you is all enough. You can find me if you hashtag chin up tits out. <laughs> um, or you can find me at Miranda O. So it's M-I-R-A-N-D-A and O is O-H. 
uh, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and my website is MirandaO.com. Um, and when is your book coming out? Ooh, um, I am gearing um, February. Ooh. So the next couple of months, um, you'll see updates on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter uh, when that comes to play. So, so I'm very excited, excited about that. And you that. can find book one and two on Amazon. Yes, you can find book one and two on Amazon for sure. So you guys need to go read it. It's honestly such a fun, but also inspiring and funny and um, I, can't, I can't, what's the word? Real? No, like it, Relatable. it can't. Heartstringing, engaged, like you're being drawn to yeah. it. Uh, what's the word for that? Oh, I just said it. <laughs> and it also drags you in and makes you want to finish both books in a weekend, which is what I did. So you need to read them. Drink wine while you while you read them, or like whatever <laughs> beverage of your choice. But like it. It, it enhances the reading experience. <laughs> well, thank you so, so yes, much for taking you. the time with us today. We appreciate you. Thank you very, very much, ladies. I appreciate both of you. Thanks so much for listening. If you like our show and want to know more, follow us on Instagram at sickandsuccessful underscore. Join us next week for an all-new episode.